You're listening to the DMZ Movers and Shakers podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs by the world-leading tech incubator, the DMZ. In this podcast, each episode brings in the movers and shakers of the world to cover leadership mentality, tips for business owners, and much, much more. So without further ado, let's get into it. Here's your host, Canada's leading podcaster, CPA and business strategist, Robert Gold, managing partner at Bennett Gold LLP. Once again, from high atop the Movers and Shakers Podcast Center in Toronto, on the 33rd floor, live in the morning, we're way off to the east. I can see Trois-Rivières, Quebec. I'm Robert Gold, Managing Partner of Bennett Gold LLP, Chartered Accounts and CPAs in Toronto. Today, this is going to be amazing. Abhijit Sarkar is with us. Abhijit is the CEO of TypeSwift. On the website, it says, build scalable analytics without engineers. I don't think the engineers are going to be too happy about that. Abhijit, welcome to the Movers and Shakers podcast. Thanks so much, Robert. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So data and metric reporting can be a huge headache for companies that are on track for hypergrowth, especially if they try to scale. TypeSift, I know, helps companies grow their business through analytics, as we just said, without spending millions on technologies and headcounts. So, Abhijit, can you explain to us what led you to found TypeSift and why proper data insights are crucial to driving real, true business growth? Well, I used to work as a business intelligence analyst out on the West Coast in Vancouver for a company called Arcteryx Equipment. Very big, uh, very awesome apparel company. You know, I found that there were a lot of the same kind of challenges that were coming up over and over again with cleaning data, getting it prepared to be analyzed, you know, getting it into the hands of the business. And there was a lot of repetitive work that we were doing over and over again and, and hiring a lot of the same people to kind of get the same things done over and over again. And so that's when I realized that there's a lot of this that could probably be done by computers and with some automation and with some software. And that's kind of what led me to, to founding the business. And why proper insights are crucial for driving business growth? Well, it's 2021. Data is everywhere. We simply cannot make decisions without having to check the numbers. I just don't think you can build a competitive business in today's landscape without you know, being driven by data. Well, as you know, we're a firm of chartered accounts and CPAs, and I had a partner who long ago retired, but he used to say, you can't manage what you can't or don't measure. And that's exactly what you're saying. Correct. You have to measure. That's exactly right. You have to measure. TypeSift is pioneering a new minimalist approach to analytics, which kind of confuses me because I've been involved in data and analysis and financial analysis for a long time. So what is a minimalist approach to analytics? You know, if you talk to any analytics vendor, their pitch always sounds the same. You know, use data to drive better business decisions and get to faster insights. I see that as kind of a cliche. Everyone is doing that. We all know that's important. Like I said, you have to do that uh, in today's landscape. But based on the experience that I had over my career working in data, what I found is that a lot of companies, just to get started, uh, will have to put down at least a half a million to a million dollars per year to build the team of engineers, to buy all the tools, and quite frankly, to make all the mistakes that are needed to build a properly functioning data infrastructure and analytics team. What we're pioneering is not just the product and the platform, but we're pioneering this approach where you can actually outsource the data engineering part to support partners like ourselves and use a product like ours to kind of make that really easy to do. So the, the term minimalist comes from this idea of, you know, as few people, as few technologies, 
and as little overhead as possible when it comes to building out that infrastructure. And that actually puts time and money back on the budget for up-and-coming brands to focus on their products, their branding, their people, their culture, and all the things that make them great. And they outsource all the engineering stuff to the folks who really enjoy doing that. I wonder if I can ask you to clue us in a little bit as to the kind of data that companies should be looking at. Now, let's go very high level, talk generically. It doesn't matter if you're a retailer, e-commerce, distributor, or manufacturer, but is it HR data? Is it sales? Like, what kind of data turns you on and what kind of data would be meaningful to companies? I'm going to put on my, my finance cap here and say that probably the most important number, and I'm sure there's lots of people who will disagree with me on this, but the most important number for any business is EBITDA. Um, that is something that every CFO cares about. I know we in the tech world care very much about top line because that is what our valuations are based off of. But that doesn't mean that EBITDA is not also extremely important. So we basically say you know, to our customers that the first thing you should be looking at is any piece of data that has a direct impact on EBITDA. So that obviously means your top-line sales. That obviously means all of your costs. That could mean how your resources or how your money is being spent in terms of different resources. But EBITDA is the first thing that we look at because moving that number gives you, through the use of analyzing your data, is going to give you the biggest bang for your buck in that investment. Then you can move on to other things, and and it starts to get more and more case-by-case depending on the kind of company that you're working with. Tech companies obviously care a ton about user behavior, how their platform is being used, and that can, you know, significantly drive usage and therefore EBITDA as well. But I say that, you know, whatever data you're looking at, if you can make the link back to EBITDA, you're probably moving in the right direction. And wearing my accountant hat, I have to agree with you because EBITDA gives us an opportunity to understand the cash flow and how management manages cash flow going forward, thinking through their runway, thinking through all the burn rates they deal with. Cash flow is going to be the king in all in all of this, that's for sure. And the other thing I would say about you, you said put on your financial hat, I also think that people should spend some time with their accountants or on their own with their CFOs, depending on the size of the organization. And let's look at the financial statement ratios, because if you've got current financial statement ratios, they are really good predictors of the future, the next quarter, the next half year, the next year or two. Those financial ratios are really, really important. And that's data that anybody can do very easily. You can Google financial statement ratios and their meaning, and you don't need an engineer. You don't even need an accountant, but it'll give you data and analytics that are meaningful to building and running your business. I want to talk about CTOs for a second, chief technology officers, because they're generally the first defense for any kind of technical disruption. And technologies now advance so quickly, exponentially, that they can impact businesses overnight. You just turn around and, and something changes when it comes to tech. So needing to be ready for tech shifts and spotting new ones as they emerge has become imperative for businesses and their CTOs. Survival's on the line. Abhijit, do you think it's important for businesses to have someone in the executive team to navigate shifts in technology, or can they do it on an ad hoc basis? What's the old saying that the only constant in life is change? That's the one thing you can be very certain of is that things are going to keep changing. I simply don't believe that you can build a lean, mean, hyper-competitive business uh, without keeping an eye on technology, you'll you'll be caught flat-footed if you don't. And if it's not coming from the top, if it's not someone at the leadership level who's setting the tone for technology and innovation, then who else is it going to be? I mean, you could certainly have grassroots movements, but you know, there's there's no substitute for for very strong leadership. So I absolutely, I'm a big believer that the executives of the business who 
are working on organization building, they're setting the direction, they're setting the vision, they should definitely be the ones who are also setting the vision for the technology. So I want to talk about finding CTOs because it's hard enough to find any any employee these days. I mean, the, the stat that I hear is everybody's leaving employment. Nobody can hire anybody, especially right now, post-pandemic or almost post-pandemic, CERB payments still going out. Staffing is hard. Where do we go to find a CTO that we can rely on and trust? We have to raid another firm or is there a bank of CTOs somewhere? I'll split that into kind of two parts because there's CTO in my mind speaks very specifically to tech companies. But as you know, there's all kinds of other businesses that are not tech companies. So I'll address those ones first. If you're not a technology business, specifically if you're in, say, consumer goods, the role of the CTO or technology visionary is often shared between two people. One would be your CIO or, you know, if you're big enough to have a CIO, if not, then likely a VP of digital, VP of technology, uh, VP by T. And the other person, and that individual is obviously pioneering the actual technical vision, but the other person who has to share that role and be very highly involved is the CFO. The main reason being is that CFOs have to think about how to drive as much efficiency for the business, not just through investments in labor or capital machinery, but also investments in advancing technology. So I think if you're a CPG uh, or, you know, a non-tech company, you're likely going to be splitting the role of the CTO between the CIO and the CFO. There's lots of ways that you can go out and recruit for, for one of those, which I won't get into. The really hard one is the CTO for technology companies, especially really young technology businesses. Uh, and I think one of the big misconceptions is that the CTO at a tech company is just someone who writes the code. That's not true. If you're without a CTO and you're looking to hire someone, just writing code should not be the, you know, kind of major criteria that you're looking to fulfill. Your CTO has to be someone that shares and quite honestly understands the vision of the business and the product and the CEO and knows how to use technology to deliver on that vision and quite frankly, knows how to do it in a way that's extremely financially efficient. This is why I just said the CFO is usually the person who also kind of shares that role in a CPG business. So that's a really tough find, someone who's both technical, who understands the vision, how to deliver on it, and do it in a very financially efficient way. I honestly don't think you can hire directly into that role. I don't think you can post a job on Indeed or, or something like that, just saying we want to hire a CTO because, as you had mentioned at the start of the call, that people are leaving jobs to, to go off and do different things. It's going to be really hard to hire a CTO for you know a salary and 2% options. So what do you do? I kind of have two approaches. One, if you find someone who's a real gem who may come in more at a development level, developer level, engineering level, even a senior engineering level, but they just have a real knack for the vision and the business and really understand where the company is going, that person can eventually be groomed into a CTO role and kind of grow with the business. And that's something that would happen over time. The second option, which may not be as popular, but I certainly stand by, is if one of the founders, if both of the founders of a business or all founders of a business, if none of them are technical, one of them should dedicate themselves to trying to become technical. There's a lot of resources out there on learning how to code. 
There's boot camps out there. There's tons of support. It is absolutely possible, and it's, it, it doesn't make sense to put a limit on yourself. So if you can learn to become that CTO, if you're one of two or one of three founders who has that knack for technology and can learn to become a technical person, that's, a, that's another option to go through. So I have a last question on CTOs because you've given us some really good information, really good data, if you will. Minimalist, not so much. If I hire a CTO tomorrow, what is my success metrics for that individual? If I were to hire a CTO, what do I want them to be able to do? They need to be able to just get it. And I, I don't know that that's a metric that you can easily measure. I don't know how to put a number on that. But someone who simply just understands the vision of the business, understands the vision of the CEO, where they are trying to go with the company, and is able to really be a partner and kind of bring their own opinions of their own ideas. The worst thing, I can tell you, it's definitely not going to work out if that person has to stop and ask, is this the right approach or is this the way to go or, you know, what's kind of the next thing to do? That CTO needs to be a visionary in and of themselves and need to be able to bring, uh, you know, kind of the, that equal partnership to the table and also not be afraid to challenge the, the other founders in the business and say, this is how I think we should be doing it. And I think that goes with any C-suite uh, position. Even if you're a local little tech shop working in the basement, that's your C-suite. Challenge everything. Ab, I want to ask you, how do we find out more about you? I know TypeSift is typesift.com, but why don't you tell us where we can find your social connections? Well, I'm very active on LinkedIn. That's probably the, the biggest social media outlet that I use is LinkedIn. So feel free to reach out there and connect with me. I do write from time to time on, on medium.com, and we also write a fair bit on the website itself, typesit.com. So any of those three areas, I'm, I'm more than happy to uh, connect over. And there's some great information at Typesift. I love the, love the look of the site, the colors, and the things you say. You've got some great customers there. So I like we're different. See how. Appreciate Final it. questions are my favorite part, the rapid-fire questions. I ask, you answer. One quick question. You ready? One quick answer. Okay. Best part about being a founder? The freedom first real job? I was a digital design intern uh, in high school at Honeywell. What are you watching on Netflix now? Murdoch Mysteries. How do you relax? I go for bike rides. Favorite city? Oh, I'm going to have to say Toronto with Vancouver being a close second. You know, I get New York most of the time. Finally, what industry will be gone in five years? That is a good one. That has got me Stumped. Somebody said paper once. You can't say paper. Somebody said lawyers. You can't say lawyers. And no, you can't get back to me. <laughs> I want an answer, Ab. What is a, an industry that's going to be gone in five years? I'm being very optimistic here. I don't think it's actually going to happen, but it could be, um, you know, franchise gas stations. They're all going to be replaced by superchargers in, I don't think it's going to be five years, but I think they're, I think a lot of them are going to get replaced by superchargers. That's, that's a good one. That's a good one. Abhijit Sarkar, CEO, TypeSift, TypeSift.com. Abhijit, thank you for being a guest on the Movers and Shakers podcast. Appreciate it so much. Thank you for having me. It was great fun. Until next time, I'm Robert Gold, Managing Partner at Benicold LLP, Chartered Accounts and CPAs in Toronto. If you want to see how we analyze data, check us out at benicold.ca. See you next time. In the morning, everyone, and good night. Trois Rivières, Quebec. And that's a wrap for this episode of the DMZ Movers and Shakers podcast. Make sure you subscribe and follow our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit us at dmz.ryerson.ca for more tips and tools designed to support your business. Until next time.